right. Well, you're in the right place tonight. We're going to get in the Word of God, spend some time with the Lord this evening. I hope it will be a help to you and an encouragement to you. It certainly uh, has been to me as we've been studying this. And I look forward to getting the double portion as we go through it again uh, tonight. But First Timothy chapter 1, let's pray uh, together we'll get into the message. Father, we certainly do love you. We thank you for uh, these who've come out tonight. We pray for the many unable to be with us. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, work in their lives. Only you can. Uh, Lord, I pray you bless our time together this evening. Help us from your word, through your spirit. Thank you for who you are. I pray as we, uh, as we consider uh, the text tonight and many other verses, uh, Lord, that you would just uh, encourage us, comfort us, strengthen us, uh, give us peace and guidance as we uh, live this life from day to day. And Lord, as always, uh, we never want to come to the throne and not pray for the ones who don't know Christ as Savior. And Lord, uh, if there's one like that here uh, this evening or watching by way of live stream, I pray that uh, they get that matter of salvation settled for eternity tonight. Thank you for being a loving God. Thank you for being a long-suffering God. And we certainly do love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Last week uh, we started, and of course we're still in our From Victim to Victor series, uh, but as we're nearing the end now, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about the exercise. We talked about last week the exercise of the fundamentals, and we said true victory comes from God. Uh, true victory conveys His redemption and righteousness. It consists of His mercy and truth. And true victory now that comes from God changes the world. And we took some time and we considered the power, the product, and the purpose of exercising our faith in the Lord. So tonight, we're going to look at part 11 of our series. It's part 2 of the exercise, and it's the foundation from which we exercise the fundamentals. So if you want to note, you could say uh, the exercise of the foundation, I guess. Uh, that'd be fine. First Timothy chapter 1, look with me at verse number 12. First Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. Oh, as here's again another one of my favorite portions of Scripture. And we're going to spend some time looking at it tonight. First uh, Timothy chapter 1. Verse number 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer. Now let me stop right there. It wasn't Christ Jesus who was before a blasphemer. It was Paul who was before. So let's make sure we get our people right there. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor, and injurious, uh, somebody you want on your speed dial list. And he says, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. When we speak of the foundation, 
we are dealing directly now with the matter of identity. Who we are. Whose we are. What we do and why we do it. In other words, our lives are identified by, our lives are defined by what we are founded upon, what we are grounded by, and what we are rooted in. That word in, that little two-letter word in, I'm glad tonight that I'm in and not out. It's cold out there. But I'm glad tonight that I'm in the family of God. I'm glad tonight that I'm saved and in Christ. I'm glad that I'm in His care. And when we think of that word in, that's a word of identity. That's a word of identification. Let's just look with me real quick here uh, through these verses again. Verse 12, you'll notice this this word, the the little word in, it shows up as we go through these verses. Verse 12, he says, "Um, putting me into the ministry. Verse 13, it says in unbelief. Uh, Verse 14, in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, into the world. And verse 16, in me first. So we, we see Paul is repeating this word in. There's a lot of identification going on here. There's a, a lot of identity here. And I, I want us to step through these verses uh, kind of quickly tonight uh, again. And I want to show you the layout that Paul gives. In verse 12, you write these down if you want. We're going to look at each verse. I'm going to give you a word that starts with M for each verse. And Paul pretty much uh, took care of that for us uh, here in these verses. In verse 12, we see the ministry. Verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. As we look at verse number 12, we understand it is the Lord who enables, it is the Lord who examines, it's the Lord who employs. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he hath counted me faithful. That means, you know what? The Lord took a good look at Paul. And it says, putting me into the ministry. It was God who enabled and God who examined and God who employed. In verse 13, we see the mercy. We see the mercy. Uh, Paul goes on to say, Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Notice now in verse 13, unbelief is identified with injury and ignorance. When you when you read that verse, you'll find that there was unbelief that uh, now caused Paul to be injurious. It was unbelief uh, why Paul was ignorant. And mercy here was not generated by Paul. It was granted by God. So we see the ministry. It was the Lord now. Who puts, who does the putting into. And we see the mercy. It's the Lord that does the putting into. In verse 14, we see the means. We see the means. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Grace, faith, and love that we see in that verse 
all abound and abide in Christ. But wait, grace, faith, and love, even though they abide in abundance in Christ, they are available and accessible for you and for me and for every uh, person on the face of this earth. I am thankful now for God's mercy, and I'm thankful uh, that He has the means through which to give us that mercy. But in verse 15, we see the manifestation. Verse 15, we see the manifestation. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Here comes the manifestation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I give you one statement about that manifestation. Christ alone is the Savior. Man alone is the sinner. And it's important that we understand that. Without Christ, there'd be no hope. There'd be no help. It's through Christ and His uh, finished work on the cross where we see uh, how that love of God was poured out for you and for me. And in verse 16, we see the method. So we see the ministry, the mercy, the means, the manifestation. In verse 16, we see the method. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life eternal. Now, now can I ask you a question before we talk a little bit about that verse? Was Paul the first one to ever get saved? But notice he says that in me first. You know why he says that? You're not going to be effective in helping others find Christ unless you have first received for yourself. And that's why Paul says that. He wasn't saying that he was the very first one. He said, but I had to taste and see before I could tell others just how sweet God is. When the lost and lonely man looks to the long-suffering Lord and Savior, there's a lovely and lasting effect that others can learn to lay hold upon. I want you to think about this for a moment. Paul stands and he says, you know what? He said, I am so thankful. We'll talk about this more in just a minute. He said, I am so thankful. He said that this change that has uh, taken place in my life, this change that was affected by the love, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. He said, I am so thankful that not only did that change take place in my life, but now I get the chance to share that with other people. And when you think about this for a moment, Paul said that he was the chief of sinners. Paul said that he was a persecutor. And he was a blasphemer. He was an abuser. He was injurious. And now, because of the grace of God, because of the saving grace of God, the change that took place in his life, and I want you to know it was visible. It was tangible. And it wasn't something that Paul just came up with himself and decided to do. He was different. All because of Christ. 
and now as people look at him and as Paul says, hey, the same Jesus that saved me will save you. And I like it. And I, I, I use this a lot. I tell people this all the time when I talk to them about their soul. I'm like, look, if Jesus Christ can save my soul, he'll have no problem saving you. If He could save me, if He could reach far enough down to save this lost sinner, He'll have no problem reaching down less far to save you. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, hey, I was the worst of the worst of the worst. But God's mercy is still manifested and the method still works and it makes a permanent change in one's life. Verse 17, we see the majesty. Because see, this isn't about Paul. This is about Christ. Verse 17, we see the majesty. Look at the wondrous attributes that God is identified by. As we look in verse 17, it says, uh, uh, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Think about it now. What we see in this verse, He's the King of kings. He reigns sovereign and supreme. Hey, He's eternal. He resides outside this realm of time. He's immortal. He remains unhindered by death. Boy, I'm glad for that. You know, that having power over death, hell, and the grave, we have the confidence now in a God that can resurrect us just as He resurrected His Son. Well, it says he's invisible. Well, that's, that seems to be a difficult one there, doesn't it? But think about it. We realize who God is by faith, not by sight. He's invisible. He's wise. He exceeds all understanding. And he's worthy. He deserves all honor and glory. Now, when we look at verse 17 and, and we see that short list of attributes uh, that identify uh, God there, that um, the attributes that, that give us a picture of who He is, I want you to notice the Lord is not defined by what He does. He's defined by who He is. When you go back and read that, that verse and look at those attributes, that's not what He did, that's who He is. And this is vitally important. And this is what gets us to where we're going to talk about tonight, about this matter of the foundation. See, because the world, and often you and I, are quick to identify people by what they've done, by what they do. But God defines us by who and whose we are. He always does. Our foundation, our identity, our life in Christ is what lasts. So for you and for me to see and to strengthen our identity in Christ, we must first learn and believe who God says we are in Scripture. And this exercise of the foundation is an ongoing daily process that requires you and me to spend time with the Savior, to spend time in Scripture, to where we feed and grow our relationship with Christ. If we are to hope to have victory in Jesus, I hope that's your hope tonight. You know, we sing the song, but do we, do we really down deep 
Do we believe it, that we have victory in Jesus? Well, then let's live like it. If we hope to have victory in Jesus, we're going to have to learn to love Him. We're going to have to learn to look for Him, to live for Him, and to lean upon Him. And when troubles and trials come, there's security and assurance from knowing that we have a firm foundation that's anchored in Christ. And if we don't exercise the foundation, if we doubt and dismiss our identity, it won't be long before we define ourselves as victims instead of victors. Well, I don't understand why God is doing all these mean things to me. You haven't been spending much time in your Bible. Because it says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Father with whom is no uh, variableness. It says uh, in our Bible that, that He's a good God and, and that He's a loving Father. And it says if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father give to those who ask? It says if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth liberally and upbraideth not. Hey, we can go to God with anything because He's a loving Father. But see, the only way you're going to know that is to be in the book. And not listening to what somebody says about the book. Uh, And wait a minute. Not opening up the hymn book and just singing the songs about the book. But to get in His living Word and let His living Spirit do the work in your heart and mind that helps you to understand not only who He is, but who you are in Him. And I promise it will strengthen you. I promise it will help you. But if you don't do that, it won't be long and you're going to go down that victim road. You're going to see everything from the wrong point of view because you'll be looking from your perspective, not God's perspective. Now I want you to think about it. Paul says, I was the chief sinner. That's what he said. I was, he said, an ignorant blasphemer and injuring persecutor. I was. But I'm not anymore all because of Christ. Now, here's where this is so important. Because I'm going to say it for you because often we don't catch it. Paul got a new identification Because God made Paul a new individual. The change that God wants to work in your life and wants to work in my life, it's modeling work. It's an all over new work. Far too often, we define ourselves by our works and our whoops. That's there on purpose. Our means, our methods, our mistakes. You, You know people like this. Well, I'm the greatest ever. There's nothing that I can't do. We know people like that. And then there are people that are like this. Well... I'm just a failure. I've always been a failure. I'll always be a failure. And that's just the road that I... We know people... And hopefully that's not us tonight. But from time to time, we tend to default into those if we're not careful. 
And when we don't spend time in fellowship with the Lord, it's not going to be long before our perspective shifts to me. And then I start thinking everything from a me-centered world. Somebody ought to write a book about that. That's what I was thinking. You think about it now. And because you say, well, I don't do that. I don't define myself by my works. I don't define myself by my means. I don't define myself by my mistakes. Let me ask you a question. When you're asked to give some information about yourself, what do your responses normally include? Is God anywhere in there? You know what I mean? And somebody says, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. If God doesn't show up somewhere in that statement, you're having an identity crisis if you're here and saved. That's why it's so important to remember whose you are. You know, that's why I have a name. My, my last name is the name that it is because, you know, that was the name that uh, I got from my dad. Of course, they gave me my first name and my middle name too, but that last name, and he'd always say, now you remember when you're out and about, <clears throat> you're a Jameson, act like it. And I knew what that meant. Wait a minute. If I'm saved, if I'm born again, I'm a child of the King. I'm supposed to be Christ-like. I'm supposed to be a Christian. So when I'm out and about in this life, I ought to remember that I'm a Christian and live like it. Wait a minute. When I'm alone by myself, I'm still a Christian and I ought to live like it. We ought to remember our identity and we remember it well by the exercise of the foundation. When we do remember... Uh, our identity by that exercising of the foundation, the victim's guilt is conquered by the glory of victory every single time. So I'm going to give you a few foundational identity exercises. Don't worry. These exercises, they you don't have to buy any you know workout clothes or anything like that. They won't overstress you. You know, there's no disclaimer here. If you have a heart problem or, you know, a breathing problem, nope, you can still do these things right here without a problem. A few foundational identity exercises that you and I can and should do regularly. There are four of them. Number one is this. This is the big one. Listen to God. You don't have to turn there if you don't want, but 1 John chapter number 5, verses 11 through 13. Listen to God. If you want to uh, now work on this matter of who you are and whose you are, you're going to have to listen to God. 1 John 5, verse 11, And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in, there's that word again, this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. 
And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Wait a minute. There's all of a sudden we're posed with a question. Do you or do you not have the Son? Well, if you don't, you don't have life. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what you say. If you've not trusted Christ, you're on the no life side. But if you have trusted Christ, you're on the I got eternal life side. Not by anything you did, but by His glory and grace. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. This first exercise, always, always, always. It's not talk to God. It's not complain to God. It's always listen to God. Always. You say, why is it so important? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You won't believe if you won't listen. You won't know how to live if you won't hear what God said. And you won't keep going if you don't know what God said. Luke 6 and verse 46, Jesus says to a bunch of people who are, are, are talking to Him about how great they are and how close they are to Him. And, and Jesus says to them, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Gotta listen. You need to spend time with the Word personally, with the written Word, with the living Word. You need to listen to God. Matthew chapter 16. Boy, I love this. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. Matthew 16, 13 through 16. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, so here comes the answer. Jesus says, Who's everybody say that I am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus says to them, But whom say ye? That I am. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, it's one thing, and I want you to catch this for me. It's one thing to listen to what other people say about identity. But it's another thing entirely to get close to the Savior and to know that you know that you know because you've been listening to what He said. I'll show you why that's important. It's easy to come to church and let the preacher feed you a little. But my goodness, it's exciting to feast daily upon the Word yourself and let the Lord feed you a lot. Feed you to the full. Now, don't get me wrong. I am more than happy, more than thrilled to have the privilege and the opportunity to get in the Word of God and prepare the message that God would have for us, His people. 
For we His people. However grammar that works out. You can give me a minus two there. However, I mean, I am am thrilled to have that privilege. But you're going to grow so much more in the Lord if you start taking time to take more time to listen to God. Now, 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 coming to church and and being a part of that, that, the fantastic, wonderful, great start. There ought to be that growth in your life where you're like, you know what? Does Tom this sound familiar? I need more. Preacher, you're feeding me good. I know this because I have been there. I said this to my pastor years ago. I was like, Pastor, you are feeding me great. No offense to you. But I'm hungry on Monday, on Tuesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and on Saturday too. Got to learn to feed for yourself. How are you going to do that? Spend time in the book. Spend time with the Lord. You say, but I don't know what to do. Wait a minute. You have the living Word of God. You have the living Holy Spirit of God within you. Trust Him. He'll guide you. I promise He will if you'll listen to Him, if you'll talk to Him. That doesn't mean that you can't talk to others. That doesn't mean that you can't necessarily listen to others. But it ought to be a priority that we want to hear the truth. Think about this now. I want to hear the truth from the source. Wow, what what a thrill that that is. That we have the privilege to have the Word of God in its entirety. And the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. These things that they did not have all of these things in Bible days. They didn't have a complete Bible. And only in the New Testament time did they now have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So we say, what's our excuse? Why aren't we closer to the Lord? Why aren't we more solid in our identity? Why can't we identify what we ought to be? Because we're not listening to God. Like we should. We're too busy. We've got too many other things going on. Do you know, uh, here just the other day, um, there was this uh, great tragedy happened in our country for many people. All the cell phone carriers like were down for like 12 hours for a lot of people. And there were people having withdrawals. I mean, you, you can go out and look at it. There were people recording themselves so they could post it later, having absolute panic attacks because they didn't have a phone. I was like, you, you ever think that maybe, maybe the Lord allowed it to get quiet for a little bit just to see, you know, give everybody, hey. That's what, why don't you put, put down Facebook for a minute and put down YouTube for a minute and just get back in the book and spend some time with the Lord. If you're going to strengthen your identity in Christ, you have to become personally involved with His love letter that He's given you. You can take your Bible and you can open it up to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And right before verse 1, you can write to your name. And then you can flip to the end of Revelation chapter 22 and you can write, Love Jesus. Because this book is God's love letter for you and for me. It shows His love. It shows His mercy. It shows who He is and it shows what He does. 
<clears throat> you know, and I've been married long enough now where this is in the past, so I can say it uh, now. Um, you know, years ago, uh, when when I first met uh, the lady here that would now be my wife, which, of course, is my first wife. Um, if you haven't met her, she's here tonight. And, and you know, when I, when I met her, and I was kind of fond of her a little bit, and, you know, I would write her notes. Get her cards and write down silly little things. And, yeah, I don't have time for that anymore. Um, come on, y'all laugh. It'll be, it'll be all right. But I, I'm, I'm making a point here. How would how how do you how would I uh, how would I feel how am I supposed to feel if she was to stand up right now and say you know all those notes that you gave me I never read a single one of them now how would that make me feel Miss Diana go home and read them notes <laughs> and how would that make me feel you know. I'm like, wait a minute, I, I took the time, I, I wrote this, I gave it to you, I poured my heart into it, and now you're telling me all this time later you never read it? What are we going to do when we stand before God? And he said, I, I, gave, I gave you my book. Did you read my book? Did you spend time in my book? Everything I want you to know is in my book. We won't have any excuse. Oh, but we'll say, oh, how I love Jesus. Really? I'm, I'm telling you, we come to that day and there's, oh boy, there, there's, I'm, that's why the no tears in heaven comes later and I'm convinced of it. You all probably be fine. I, I know from my own heart and my own life, oh boy, that I wish I had given him more. I wish I had spent more time with the Lord and I wish that the things that really mattered, I made a priority in my life. So you spend time in the Word of God daily and you won't panic as quickly because you'll know where to go for peace and quiet. Run to the Scriptures and listen to the Savior. Now let me tell you tonight this matter of listening to God. Your circumstance, hear this tonight because there's a whole lot of people in this world that have been deceived by this uh, health, wealth, and prosperity garbage that's going around uh, in our day today. That, you know, when you, once you get your life totally right with God, everything in your life will be right and you'll have everything you want and all of that. Please show me where that is in Scripture. Because it's not in there. And you know what? If folks would spend more time in the book, they'd be able to identify that trash quicker. But there's this idea in, in this, you know, health, wealth, prosperity, gospel stuff that, you know what? Mm, all you got to do is listen to God for a while and all your troubles will go away. That smiley guy on TV uh, there, Joe Osteen, never talk about sin, never talk about anything else. But boy, he wants you to open your wallet and give him money. And he'll tell you, you can have your best life now. I'm telling you, my Bible says in this world ye shall have tribulation, but one of these days I'll have perfect peace and rest when I'm in the presence of the Savior. So understand this tonight. Yes, we listen to God. Your circumstance may not immediately change. 
God doesn't vaporize the car going 15 miles an hour slower than you want to go that's in front of you when you say, Lord, please move this obstacle out of the way. Your circumstance may not immediately change. Your crisis may not be conquered in the moment, but your perspective will be changed when you take time to listen to God. Your heart will be encouraged and your course will be corrected. So number one is listen to God. Number two, live for God. Live for God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. There it is again. In Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable Service and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I hope this helps you because if you'll grab a hold of this, it'll change your perspective on a lot of things. God saved you and set you in the perfect time and place for His specific purpose that no one else can fulfill. You need to grab a hold of that. Oh, preacher, I wish I lived back there. You're saying that God made a mistake? God knows exactly why you're here, exactly what you're going through, exactly why you're going through what you're going through, exactly how He wants to use you, exactly how He wants to work in your life. Trust Him. Listen to Him. Live for Him. Stop looking at life for the Lord as a terrible obligation. Oh, i got to go to church again. i got to serve God today. Oh, all these rules. That all goes away when you say, I get to spend time with the Almighty God today. I get to do something for the Creator of the universe today. I get to make a difference in this world because of the change that He's made in me. All praise and glory goes to Him. Well, what a difference it makes when we stop viewing our life for the Lord as a terrible obligation and we see the tremendous opportunity that it is. See, He created you. He cleansed you. He cares for you. There's more. He knows your strengths. And weaknesses. He knows your abilities and disabilities. He knows your faults. He knows your failures. He knows your needs. And He knows your desires. He knows what you have. And He knows what you don't have. And He knows what He wants to give you. And He knows where He wants to guide you. The question for you and for me becomes, are we willing to go and just follow Him? Or do we just want something to gripe about? It's all a matter of perspective. If we're listening to Him, we're living for Him. Now you say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm not clear about my purpose for God. I'm, I'm not clear about God's plan for me. Hey, let me encourage you tonight. Stop. Look. 
and listen. And so all you got to remember is just think there's a train coming. Stop, look, listen. Psalm 119, verse 105. Remember we said, listen to God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's interesting, we don't have time tonight, but if you were to study this out, you would understand that the lamp talked about there and the light talked about there aren't these four million uh, lumen light bulbs that they have today. When it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, it, it would show you what's right here for your next step. Oh, is there a snake there? Is there a hole there? Is there a rock there? Is there safe to step there? You'll see the next step. It says a light unto my path. As long as you just keep that lamp there and keep taking those steps, eventually those steps become a whole path. Too many of us, what we want is for God to tell us how it works out at the end before we'll take that first step. We walk by faith. Not by sight. That doesn't mean that we live this life blind. It means we're to live this life in dependence upon God. Spend time with God in prayer and in His Word. Number three, learn to lean upon God. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul that was Saul, that was the blasphemer, that was the persecutor, that was injurious, but then he met Christ and Jesus saved his soul and changed his life. And now in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Paul says this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. I have to learn to lean upon God. Can I encourage you tonight? Let me ask you this question. How many of you, and I won't ask you to tell me what it is, but uh, or anybody else what it is, but how many of you have done something in your past that you regret? And you feel some past guilt about that. Let me help you tonight. You learn to lean on God. You can stop living in past guilt, condemning yourself for who you used to be, and lean upon God to grow you into what you ought to be. Let me illustrate this for you tonight. Maybe you struggle with a salvation problem, but Hebrews 10.25 tells me, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Maybe you're struggling with a sin problem. Well, 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe you're struggling with a stress problem. Well, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care on Him for He cares for you. Maybe you're struggling with a security problem. 
John chapter 10 and verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You can read the next verse and says that, guess what? You're in the Father's hand too, and you're not going to get plucked out of the Father's hand. And then he goes on to say, I and my Father are one. What a beautiful picture this is. You know, you're in the hand of, of Christ, and then mm, that's in the hand of the Father. And then on the inside is the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Friend, you're sealed inside and out. Struggling with a sufficiency problem? 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Paul just said, we're not all that in a bag of chips. He says this, but our sufficiency is of God. We're going to have to learn to lean on Him. You know how you're going to learn to lean on Him? You're going to have to listen to Him. And when you get in His Word and understand where the leaning points are, amazes me those disciples were in that boat and they faced that storm. And Jesus was in the back of the boat in the bottom and He was asleep. They were on to Jesus. Carest thou not that we perish? You think He cared? Of course He cared. But see, they hadn't been listening to Him. They hadn't been living for Him. They were trying to do things their own way. They were seeing things in their own perspective and they weren't leaning on Him. Then when He stands up and says, Peace be still, now they're all scared to death. Would, would we be the same? That, see, that's the question. Let me give you the fourth one. We're done. Well, we're done in a, in a while, but the fourth one's the last one. Love to praise God. See, when you start listening to Him, when you start living for Him, when you start leaning on Him, it won't be long and you'll love to praise Him. Let me give you three verses here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Well, you know some of these. They're only two words, three words. First Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Boy, I struggle with that one. I don't know about you. I have no problem giving thanks in the good things. It's them everythings. But it goes on. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. There's the in again. In Christ Jesus concerning you. Listen to God. Lean upon God. Live for God and He'll give you plenty of opportunity to lift your voice in praise to Him. Romans chapter 8. I'll remind you, these verses are still in the Word of God and they still are just as powerful as when mm, they were penned and when they were mm, first contrived by God Himself. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. So they're not just conquerors, they're more than conquerors. Through Him that loved us. Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Wait, which is in 
Christ Jesus, our Lord. I ask you a question. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Hear me tonight. The victim won't listen. The victim won't lean. The victim won't live. The victim won't love. The victim will just pout, accuse, complain, and murmur. But the victor, because of Christ, through Christ, by Christ, in Christ, for Christ, will find the strength, the sufficiency, the satisfaction, the sweetness, the success, and the song by listening to God, living for God, leaning upon God, and loving God. See, God's Word gives hope, comfort, strength, and light to guide our every step each and every day. God's Word, it'll brighten our day when we're down. It'll restore our joy that we thought was lost or even lost forever. It'll provide hope for our weary and wounded hearts. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Why? Because He's the one that can do something about it. See, When you and I learn to develop and exercise a rooted and grounded identity in Christ, we'll be strengthened in the times where we want to give up. We'll be reminded that God has not given up on us. And we'll find solid security that's found in Christ and in Christ alone. The exercise of the foundation. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful to say that mm, I, I once was a sinner lost on my way to hell. But thanks be to God for His love and for His light and for His life. Listen to Him. Live for Him. Lean upon Him. You'll find you'll love to sing His praises too.